The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And it's college football week number two. And I have my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, college specialist. He has all the college knowledge. Brad Powers. But it's going to be a competition this week, guys. Back. Back. Ken Thompson by high demand. Steve Fezzik, not a college specialist, but he'll hit you with uh, some uh, very thought-provoking ideas when it comes to college. And me, I'm R.J. Bell. Guys, we're going to go down all the big games. How many we got this week, Brad? Like 14? 14 games. And we've got the rarest of the rare, a double best bet. These guys only have one best bet each. And we have two guys... And by the way, Dave Vessler with three taped thoughts on three different games, including a best bet. And he's part of the double best bet. And we have, in addition, multiple double likes. We've got a crossfire. What's that? When two of the pros battle it out and I decide who wins. We could vote, but I mean, how do we vote when we're not doing this live? Right. So someone's got to decide. And we are going to have... A pros versus Joes. We know you guys love that. Let's get to it. Showtime! Woo! All right, Fez, or check that. Brad, new thing. We want to learn from the past, and we do this on the Fox show a lot, but I think sometimes people belabor these prior games and try to find truth that's not there. Sometimes a team just wins, and sometimes a team loses, and it doesn't tell you too much. So I've got the five games that I had the most interest in this week based on the result. And I want you to give me one takeaway that you feel confident about. And then Ken can add anything he's got. And we're going to go through these quite fast. So let's start Washington-Auburn. Washington-Auburn, I think the main takeaway from that game, a little bit of a deceiving score. Washington had six trips inside Auburn's 15-yard line and came away with just one touchdown and a pair of field goals. The other drives resulted in turnovers. So uh, I would say a deceiving score there that Washington only ended up with 16 points. I will tell you that I was disappointed in Chris Peterson, some of the calls that he made, especially when they had a chance to take a lead with a field goal late by trying an option play inside the red zone. Made no sense. Why risk taking a lead that you're going to have inside the last quarter by trying something that you don't do that's not in your arsenal? And we talked about this a little bit, too. West Coast teams going east. Now, the game started at 3.30 Eastern, but it seemed like Washington clearly outplayed them after the first quarter. How much of that was West Coast? How much of that was SEC country being a little overwhelmed by the moment? But, boy, if they played again, and I, and I asked you this last week, Brad, right after the game, the line ended up Auburn by one and a half, two? Yep. If they replayed that next week, what would you make the line? Auburn one and a half or two. So no big adjustment. No. You agree with that, Ken? I could see that game being a pick em. You're talking if it's in Atlanta again, right? Yeah, same exact scenario. Yeah, I'd probably keep it the same then. Next Jeez. next game, Texas, Maryland. Now, we call 
We call him as we see him here, Brad. You <laughs> were touting Texas as a long shot. Let's let's be honest, yep. a long shot national title contender. What happened? Well, uh, I mean, I don't have 100% answer for what happened with Texas. One thing that I think you look at it, noteworthy player performances, one that I don't think you can handicap for was a Maryland true freshman, not a highly rated true freshman, just a guy that came out of nowhere, Ja'Shawn Jones, three touchdowns, threw a touchdown pass, caught a touchdown pass, ran for a touchdown, all 20-plus yards. First true freshman to do that since a guy by the name of Marcus Mariota for Oregon four years ago. That's something that I think any handic... How much of that is he was so superior that an alternative player wouldn't have done that? And how much of it was the defense just wasn't there for Texas? Some of it was defense wasn't there. What do you think, Ken? I'm just disappointed in Herman. I think a lot of people are. I mean, a lot of pressure on the guy. And you can look and say, well, Maryland, with all the stuff they're going through off the field, you know, maybe Texas overlooks him. But the way they got embarrassed. But the first game, the first game. That's what I'm saying. The way they got drilled last year in Austin, there's no reason for them to overlook. It's revenge and the first game. That's right. No excuse. Very disappointed in Herman. Kelly and UCLA upset by Cincinnati. Yeah, I think. Key injuries before the game, key injuries during the game. Injuries before the game was more of player suspensions, six of them for UCLA. Market downgraded them about a point and a half. Maybe should have been a little bit more without those six guys. All six were in the two deep, only a pair of starters. Injury during the game, UCLA decided to go with the experienced quarterback, Wilton Spate, the transfer from Michigan. He gets hurt early in the second quarter. They have to go to a true freshman in Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's going to be a better fit for this Chip Kelly offense, but really the moment was too big for him. He had some bad mistakes. Crucial error in the fourth quarter cost him a safety. And we'll be talking about UCLA's game this week. There's smart money, actually, on that UCLA game. Any thoughts, Ken? Yeah, I I had Cincinnati, so I wasn't too concerned, but they made a quarterback switch early, and it turned out to be the right move. Their defense much better. And again, Chip Kelly, we're looking at this guy like he's in Eugene, Oregon. He's not that guy with but that what, team But what anymore. was Eugene, Oregon before Chip Kelly? I understand that, but get, give him some time to get those players. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, player style or type, I agree with that. And my guess is Kelly, I don't know the contract. I'm guessing it will be massive penalties if he doesn't get a nice chunk of years. And, and, and remember, you can have the buyout be cheap, your four and five of a contract, or the buyout be expensive. My guess is he's got a long horizon because if you look at the Eagles, in hindsight, Kelly did a good job there, I think. I, I know the last year he was losing the locker room, and that's hard to gauge. But if you just look at the number of wins they put up, 10-10, and was it six his last yeah. year, I think? I mean, with the quarterbacks they had to put up 26 was pretty impressive, it's just, it's that old saying, you don't get fired for buying IBM, but you might get fired if you buy some upstart. And Kelly's got innovative ideas, maybe a little ahead of his time. It feels like football's caught up. If anything, football, and tell me if you guys agree with it. Yeah. Football today, 2018, has a lot more in common with Chip Kelly's style than it did his last year in Philadelphia. In the time since, Absolutely. football has moved towards Kelly. I agree with that. Yep. No doubt about it. But I will say this, too, that he went in there and he wants to restore order. Maybe not as uh, big a moves as Charlie Strong made when he went to Austin, but he suspended a bunch of players, a bunch of good players, too. So they were shorthanded, no doubt about it. But he wants to lay down the law. I am the guy. Do it my way or you're gone. Penn State, App State, overtime. 
Yeah, I think the the pre handicap that a lot of people, including myself, got wrong was Appalachian State is this has the second most underclassmen in the two deep of any team in the country besides Illinois. So a very young team, young team, huge atmosphere at Penn State. So the expectation was the moment might be too big for them. Well, it wasn't. In fact, you know they're starting new starting quarterback Zach Thomas first career start. I mean, in a lot of aspects, outplayed Trace McSorley, who uh, you know is a Heisman darling, according to Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreit. I think things just kind of fell together for them in the fourth quarter, and they strung together that moment. It was about 28 points in the fourth. Yeah, right? I mean, that was, that was it. I mean, all of a sudden, a young team like that is going to take that momentum and not realize, hey, maybe the moment is too big for us. We're in Happy Valley in a whiteout. What are we doing? And uh, they took care of business. They actually should have won the game. They squandered the uh, the lead in the last 45 seconds, whatever it is. And losing I, I state, you're saying. Yeah. And what's fascinating is when they were scoring, in the process of scoring that 20, or first of the 28 points, if it were a pick six, one play, who's to say? You might say, oh, okay, it would have swung things seven points. But maybe it swings things 35 points because sometimes team doesn't score that first drive. Everyone kind of gives up, whereas they score and all of a sudden it goes to OT. I mean, Brad, you watch those game flows a lot. Oftentimes one play can be even bigger than seven points. Yeah, and it was App State scoring a touchdown, taking, you know, getting in within one score of Penn State. What do they do? Immediate onside kick recovery. And that kind of was a shock to Penn State's system because, I mean, 30 seconds prior, Penn State was up two touchdowns and just cruising. The same place, Happy Valley, RJ, not to hit a sore point, a sore point, but uh, <laughs> hey, you know, James Franklin, the only reason he's still at Penn State is because of the block field goal against Ohio State, which changed that whole game dramatically, changed their whole season a couple of years ago. I wonder if the Buckeyes said, let's let them win this one so they keep this guy. It'd be worth the one game. I'm not saying that's true. No, the, with just, the one-point game, you had to sweat out the horseshoe last year. I don't think so. Yeah, but, you know, I, I know at USC, and you're a big fan of USC, as longtime listeners know, that winning a game is, you know, like you want to try to be impressive. or what, I mean, at the high stage, is we win, right? It's just now a lot of people might say, hold on a second. Someone, the sound man wants to do something. Is that Brutus? <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather USC win a national title, Ken, or Ohio State go uh, three and ten? Oh, we have eleven titles, so <laughs> three, three, three and ten. Would how be many? Nice. How many after TV was invented? Uh, Ask Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? One? He had three. Oh, come on. Three. That's like four. They took one four. away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which means he doesn't have come three. Come on. Are you kidding me? If if we had all the all the stuff that Ohio State was, should have taken away, taken away, oh. you know, come on now. I mean, USC has two Heismans revoked, if Richie I'm not Bo- mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's oh, what you did on the field. Stumbled, well, you know what? I don't want to get into the OJ thing because I'm not, not a fan. Not oh. a fan. Oh, you took you know, down the post. Was a fan. Well, was a fan. I no longer. You know, I saw on Craigslist. They it was your size. They had an OJ jersey up in the late nineties. Was that yours? It wasn't mine. <laughs> All right, last team. That's Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, Fez is biding his time. I'm RJ Bell. Last team, and it segues into our first game: Michigan, Notre Dame. Yeah, Michigan-Notre Dame, I mean, a great article up on ESPN right now, and it basically interviewed several coaches, assistant coaches, uh, anonymously, but still, that was the the, the gist of the article. But basically, they came away from watching the game, and Michigan's offense, 
too complicated. No identity for him. Trying to do too much. I mean, they opened up the too complicated or not complicated enough. Well, I mean, they opened up the game in the spread, shotgun. Then they're you know back to the I formation. So pretty much, it makes sense considering they got Pep Hamilton, Jim McElwain. Ed Warner, Jim Harbaugh, all these guys have been offensive coordinators. A lot of mishmash there. No identity for Michigan's offense. Oh, so you're saying too many cooks in the kitchen, maybe. Yeah, and a lot of these guys are new this year that Harbaugh decided to bring on to the system. Now, Ken, I don't know if you caught it on Twitter. I uh, There was some uh, controversy. Did you see my tweet? I, I did not. Is I, I said after the game, I said maybe Harbaugh. Harbaugh's made 20-plus million coaching this team. I think by any reasonable metric, he's been a disappointment as the third highest paid coach in college football. My thought was, and I'm not saying it's exactly right. It could be. If history is any indication, it may be. But I say maybe he should refuse his checks from here on until he establishes success. I mean, if someone's paying you, an inord- I get it. It's not like he's going to stop eating. You know, if you're paying him 80 or you know 40K, and it's like, yeah, I'll stop taking my check, but I can't feed my family. He's not going to do it. When you've banked 20 mil and you stink, maybe you should donate it to some type of charity, like an academic, like scholarships for underprivileged children, perhaps. I don't know if you know this. The children, they're our future. And <laughs> Okay, Whitney. <laughs> and to, who? Whitney Houston. Uh, to me, <laughs> to me. It was so funny how everyone's like, oh, this Vegas guy don't know how the world works. And it's like, maybe not. But I swear to God, if I had 20 million in the bank and I feel like I was failing at a job, if I had a chance to make like a statement, I mean, imagine how cool it would be if he says, until we do X, whatever he wants to set, win a, you know, win a, uh, you know, make the playoffs or win a big How's the bowl games go where it's not the playoffs? They have, what, five big ones? Yeah. They call, what do they call just it? Just win the Big Ten East. Yeah, yeah. just do something, or maybe. Or second just do, third or fourth. Yeah, do something. <laughs> beat and, a rival. And in the end, yeah, beat Ohio State. <laughs> like, we'll give you, like, a multiple choice. You can win, make the playoffs, beat Ohio State, or win the Big Ten. How about win one game against a ranked opponent on the road, which they haven't done since 2006? But it, it's so funny how you would think people would – be like, yeah, I work for my job, and if I suck, I'm going to get fired. But they're like defending Harbaugh. You would think as a quarterback, a guy that played quarterback, that you would stretch the defense and throw the ball deep. Their deepest passes they throw are always to the tight end. I don't get it. I think some of it's stubbornness. I mean, let's give Harbaugh credit. He was a, what, a below-average NFL quarterback. Is that fair to say? Yep. I I don't think he even started very much, did he? I don't think. No, I just remember the 95 playoff season captain comeback. Yeah, so if I'm wrong about that, I I apologize. But a lot of those guys are selling used cars now, meaning in the 90s you weren't making that much as a B quarterback. The fact he's making millions as a coach, give him a ton of credit. But as Shakespeare says, oftentimes, and I'm paraphrasing, (laughs) is oftentimes the thing that causes your greatest success is the thing that causes your greatest failure. And I think Harbaugh being so stubborn caused him to have successes. And maybe offensively, his unwillingness to go more modern, you know, you look at Saban and how modern he's gone in the last couple of years. And it feels like Harbaugh still wants to beat the other team up. Now, Brad, you were saying, oh, you think they got a little too fancy 
Wouldn't you say it all was predicated though on power football? Yeah, I mean, well, his offenses did. Now I would say, you know, I don't. There isn't really one. I mean, he did start the game in shotgun, which is Shea Patterson what he's used to, and then after that, it was uh, there wasn't any significant. I would say identity from that point forward in the game. Let's segue into this week. This is what we call Brad Powers <laughs> versus the world, and in that case. Or in this case, it's the AP poll versus Brad Powers when it comes to his Michigan Wolverines. Give us the data. Uh, Yeah, right now, Michigan in the AP poll, it just got released today as we're taping this on Tuesday. Number 21 in the country. And I still have Michigan in my power rankings. Number 10 in the country. Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio. (laughs) Brad feeling strong about Michigan. So Michigan this week... What's our line here? Are they playing this week? They are. They're playing Western Michigan. Why doesn't the Why didn't Mark put the line on it? Mark's not having a good day. Well, I've been no, Mark not I having a good day. I will take the blame on this one. Uh, that is the biggest disagreement I have, but is not in one of the games that we're discussing. So, All right, so I let's go over the, the game. Let's go over the game quickly. Give us your thoughts on it. Yeah, and we'll move this on. is one instance. Uh, Michigan's favored by twenty-seven and a half at home against Western Michigan, and. The entire, I would say, most of the media narrative is questioning Harbaugh, throwing this Michigan team in the trash. I think this is one game where Michigan's going to make a statement and put one on a little brother inside their own state. This is the game to do it. I like Michigan minus 27 and a half. Well, that's what bullies do, right? Yeah. I mean, after they get beat up by someone tougher, they go find a little kid to beat up. I mean, I hear you. I hear you. So, Fez, what's your thoughts on – because it feels like to me that Brad is – you know, I haven't read Mike Lombardi's book, the uh, former Browns GM and, and Belichick's right-hand man for a few years, and he was in, with Belichick in Cleveland. Very savvy, I think. And he talks about a complex where the institution, and I can't, it's not the legacy. He calls it, I haven't read it yet, but he's been talking about it. Mm, what's the name of that? I can't remember. But the idea is when it's yours, you it's like having a kid in a way if your kid does something and someone else's kid does something, it's very few parents that are going to grade or assess it the same. You know, your kid does it. It's like, well, you know, he didn't sleep much last night and uh, he ate two popsicles and, you know, that sugar, he's very sensitive to sugar. I think we're going to take him to the doctors (laughs) and, and get that diagnosed. But yeah, the fact he broke that window, yeah, we'll pay for it, but I don't think it's really his fault. (laughs) Though if the the kid down the street breaks the window, it's a very different story. It feels like you've bought into Michigan and now you're just going to go down with the ship. The the sense is you're going to every chance you have to skew it one way. Now, not that you're thinking this explicitly, because then you'd be self-sabotaging, Brad. I think you maybe feel too much ownership of this Michigan and maybe it's healthy just to let them go. You think there's any of that going on? A little bit. What do you think, Fed? I think quite a bit of it. Here, here's why. I think if, if Notre Dame was playing some undisclosed opponent and all you got to do was to see that game without the jerseys on the back of the Michigan players. Oh, that's an interesting point. And you saw and you're like, it, and the final score is 24-17. We'd be coming in right now and we'd be saying, you know, Notre Dame only beat TCU or whoever 24-17. Well, forget TCU. They wouldn't beat yeah, TCU. Fair enough. Right? But, but, but you would say, you know what? The Irish only won by seven. Maybe but, Southern Utah. But they dominated the game. They gave up a fluke kickoff. 
kickoff return for touchdown. They gave up a prevent defense drive at the very end. They really won that game 24 to 3. And I tell you what, from the get go, from the very first quarter, it was obvious that, that Notre Dame's quarterback, who can't complete half of his passes last year, is moving the ball effectively on the first wow, two drives. Wow, he's been waiting. Yeah. He's just, Notre Wim, Dame. Wimbush is throwing the ball better than he did last year. There's no, no doubt, doubt about it. He dom- they, they dominated this game. This was a phony final, only winning by seven. We got back in our time machine and said, we can bet this game in the Lions Irish minus three and a half. Who would we bet? Michigan. Really? Yeah. As wow. a, a Notre Dame fan that just can't believe his team's as good as they are. I can't help it that I'm custom made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, can dance all night long. I mean, Fez was dancing. He was was dancing. That was pretty good. All right, next game. (laughs) (laughs) Next game. And this is the Jimbo Fisher special. Now, is Fisher the highest paid coach? Or is it, uh, I know Urban's fourth. I think Saban. Saban, but Fisher's one, two. One or two. Okay. But Clemson favored by 12 in this game. Brett, lean or yeah. like? And speaking of uh, Jimbo Fisher, the, the reason I'm liking, I should say leaning with Texas A&M plus 12 and a half is Jimbo Fisher, his experience dealing and prepping with Clemson, uh, a team that he's prepped for for the last eight years while the head coach at Florida State. So he's very familiar with the personnel for Clemson and has had quite success. I know he's four and four straight up the last eight years, but each of the last three years should have three straight covers. RJ knows the game very well with the Florida State team last year that everyone went through in the trash. That was an even game against Clemson on the road with that Florida State team last year until a couple of late touchdowns put that one out of reach. I'm leaning with the Aggies here, plus the 12 and a half. So lean from Brad. Ken, you like AM. I like AM and I like the situation. I mean, Jimbo Fisher knows Clemson. Dabo Sweeney knows Jimbo Fisher, but he doesn't know anything about AM and doesn't know anything about going to College Station. So he's a solid coach, no doubt about it. But that 12th man is one of the top three places environment wise, I think, in college football when they get going. The, the whole thing for me is as long as they don't get out. Down 14 nothing in the first quarter. I think they're good. And I'm not scared, really, of Kelly Bryant. I don't think the kid can throw the ball consistently. Lawrence is a, a better athlete and probably ends up being the starter by the end of the year. But, you know, they're going to figure that out. And that's going to be his first road game in a, in a hostile environment like, you know, Texas A&M. When you look at Florida State and some of the other good teams in the ACC, they've been there before. Dabo Sweeney's been there before. But going here to College Station, and again, a, you're talking about a running back, Travion Williams, that's pretty darn good. You have two quarterbacks, Kellen Mond, a blue-collar guy. Stark will probably a better thrower so you have some options there. Now I think Fisher will have them ready. I'm not saying they win the game, but I say they stay within double digits. That's a professional radio guy. Ken Thompson. Good, good info there. So Lean Brad on AM like Ken Thompson. Fez Passen. Any Her- thoughts? I think Ken brings up a great point about you're from Clemson having to go to Texas A&M being difficult, but I think it'd be much more difficult week four or week six than week two when it's almost like the, it's basically their opening game for both teams. And with a new coach, that's a, a with a program with a new coach, that's a bigger disadvantage. I don't think so, because first off, you have Trevor Lawrence. This is going to be his first college game against an FBS team. He beat up on Furman. Big deal. Now you're going your first D1 game is in one of the most hostile environments. If you wait no, no, no. week I, four, I think, week five, or week six, you've got four or five games under your belt against Division One competition. No, no, no. I think these are separate factors, though. What you're saying is, and I agree, an inexperienced quarterback having 
his first competitive game in a hostile environment, negative. Agreed. For sure. Okay. So that's negative Clemson. I also think, though, in general, and we've talked about this, a new coach in a program, if we just look at it generically, first third of the year, I tend to want to fade him because I think people get excited about the new coach. They're sick of that guy they just fired. I mean, how often is it like, oh, that guy was great. You know, here's a going away party and here's your gold watch. You know, the Tom Osborne retirements don't happen very often. It's usually get the heck out of here. And how little can we pay you without getting sued? So the new guy is exciting. I think, though, that the schemes and such are often very different and it takes a while. And thus, A&M would be better as a team. I think they're going to have a better growth curve, A&M, over the year than most teams will because they have a new coach and they have a very good coach, right? Absolutely. So I think those, I think those factors just point in different directions, and they're just two of many factors, and, and Ken likes A&M. This game I slipped in because I was interested in this Iowa defense. I've had uh, two sources I trust really point out how good the Iowa defense looked. Iowa favored by three and a half against Iowa State. Brad, we were talking before, you think it might have been a little deceiving for Iowa's D. Uh, it was, considering that Northern Illinois, the opponent in week one, was a little banged up at the wide receiver. Two of their best wide receivers were out. But I will say also surprising, because this was an Iowa defense that lost their three starting linebackers, all three top tacklers. So when you say lost, you mean to, to graduation. To graduation. And then in the summer, lost two projected starters in the secondary. And for this game, had two defensive ends suspended. So the fact that regardless of Northern Illinois' health, that, that performance, considering what Iowa's lost from the end of last year, that was surprising to me. So you lean Iowa. I do lean Iowa. And on the flip side, Iowa State had that game canceled last week. I think that gives an advantage to Iowa. Game under so, belt So advantage. let's talk about that. It's that idea that we talked about with the young quarterback which is experience is a good thing, especially for a young quarterback. But having played one game versus none is an advantage. Definitely an advantage. And it's keep- almost like preseason. Imagine, we, in fact, we talk about this with the Hall of Fame teams. Oftentimes in week one of the preseason, the two teams that played in week zero, as we call it, have an advantage. Yeah, wise guy secret. Bet. Pretty much we do that unless we have a real strong reason not to do it in the real week one of preseason. Back the Hall of Fame. Thanks for repeating that. That's, that's yeah. true. I agree with you. <laughs> All right. So, Ken, <laughs> Ken, lean or like in this one? You know, there's a lot of question marks in this one. I, I, I guess if I was going to play it, I'd take a shot at Iowa. But as I looked into it a little bit, as I delved in a little bit more, I mean, Kyle Kemp, remember last year for Iowa State, he stepped in in an awkward position when Park all of a sudden had this medical episode and the kid stepped right in and he, he didn't skip a beat. I mean, the kid was outstanding. You have a running back, David Montgomery, is probably going to be the best athlete on the field for both teams for Iowa State's uh, Cyclones. Nathan Stanley, as good a quarterback as he is, and a lot of people are expecting him to do big things, 11 of 23 for 108 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I, I, I mean, again, deceiving. His stats are no good there. They did have five sacks on Northern Illinois, and as Brad said, he said they're missing their two best receivers. One was a tight end, one was a wide receiver. So, again, you know, Northern Illinois, we're used to seeing them hang with the big boys, and because Iowa dominated on the scoreboard, we kind of take a lot away and maybe give a little bit too much lean towards Iowa. I'm a little surprised because if we look at game of the year lines now that it's week two and looking for overreaction, this one opened South Point early, Iowa minus seven. 
bet down all summer long to three. To me, now it's three and a half. Are you kidding me? Iowa State didn't play. Iowa far exceeded expectations in that Northern Illinois game. I think it's a little cheap right now at three and a half. Yeah, but three is the the most key number there is, right? So it's more than just half point, though obviously less key than in the NFL. Fez, closing thoughts. I want to talk about historical perspective. Two years ago in Iowa City, Iowa was laying 15. They won 42 to three. So what's happened here, think about this. Just two years ago, spread was 15. Now Iowa's only laying three and a half. So an 11 and a half point adjustment from two years ago. I refuse. I was not that much different from two years ago, and I refuse to believe that Iowa State has suddenly gone up 10-plus points in power ratings. That seems to be very optimistic. Well, when you bring in a coach like Matt Campbell, your team's going to elevate. And the job he did at Toledo, everybody wants this guy. And in fact, if Iowa State were to let him be out there and be bought out, there are probably about 10 top 50 teams that would go after Matt Campbell. Brad? Oh, absolutely. You like Campbell? Well, when the Urban Meyer news broke and they were given odds who would be the next coach at Ohio State, if I was a Buckeye fan, Matt Campbell would be one of those top three or four choices, in my wow. opinion. Wow, that's that's a heck of a statement. Um, you know, Fez's point is one, Alan Boston, a, uh, used to be a really uh, well-known college basketball guy. Uh, yeah, I think he still handicaps college basketball. I'm not sure. But he talks about institutional baseline, as in, if you have a, a program that's way above or way below their last five or 10 years, unless there's a real reason, like, you know, they got the death penalty or some extreme reason, I get it. The, they're going to be up for or down for a reason. Oh, look, they've got two All-Americans. They've never had that before. Or they have major injuries. But usually you don't get that far out of your range. So, Fez, what I'm hearing you say is this feels out of range and and it might not quite be justified. Doe can say maybe it is because the coach is so good. Correct. I firmly feel that in almost every year, you've got to value at the beginning of the year, Iowa as being a better team than Iowa State. And this point spread saying they're basically almost equal. Okay. Longtime listeners, listeners last year know this song. Yes. Crossfire is back. We got Ken Thompson. He's invigorated. He's uh, he's he's ruling or unruly sometimes. Surly might be a word. But he tries sometimes though like a psychopath. I'm not saying he's a psychopath. I'm saying <laughs> like a psychopath. He'll he'll go from anger to passiveness and then just smile like almost like the guy that's planning the assassin. You know in the mob movie like when Michael Corleone went cold. That's when you really had to be scared. All right, Ken, you're leading off. This is <laughs> Penn State, Pitt. Penn State favored by eight and a half. Who do you like? I actually took a nine today. There was a nine out here in Vegas. That's fascinating. Eight and a half is what we're doing the crossfire. I understand. I well, understand. He gave me a look. But, uh, well, he gave me a look. I, I got you. All right. Here, here's the thing. I, I think Pittsburgh has an outstanding chance to win the game straight up. And I'm not basing it off Penn State's lackluster fourth quarter against Appalachian State at home. Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett, decent quarterback. Running game, decent. Now I think finally Narduzzi, who came over, of course, as a defense coordinator for Michigan State, finally has a decent defense. If you watch the game last year, Pitt and Penn State, Pittsburgh outgained them. 
and they out-physicaled them to me. I mean, Barkley had a couple decent runs, but there were also three tackles for loss on Barkley in the backfield. Pittsburgh had a chance to win. They let it get away. They still covered the big number. I think they have a good chance to win this game straight up. It's a huge game for Pittsburgh. Penn State again right now. Fortunate they came away with the overtime victory against Appalachian State. McSorley's good, but there's a lot of guys receiver-wise, running back-wise, that there's a lot of question marks for Penn State. And remember, when you lose a guy like Kabinda, who's on the Raiders now, and you lose a lot of defensive help like they did, I think Penn State's in a lot of trouble. I think Penn State's one of the most overrated teams in the country this year. Okay, so Brad, I'm going to let you grade this one. You, the the guy with all the college knowledge, because the opponent, two-time Super Contest champion, he has a mansion. He has a yacht. <laughs> Unfortunately, that super contest is NFL-based. But <laughs> Steve Fezzik, go. Yeah, last year, Ken brought up a great point that Pittsburgh... Oh, geez, he's conceding already. Pittsburgh played very well. They were sky high for this game. Penn State may be a little bit flat, but uh, the bottom line, the final score was still 33-14. Penn State still won by 19. You said, oh, Pittsburgh covered. Yeah, they covered by one point. So I'll take it. At the end of the day, I'm cashing. I, you're not so going to cash. Don't, don't start a dialogue before you even do your presentation. You're not going to cash... If you lose this game by 19, if you look at the game of the year line, Penn, State, hell of a statement. Penn State was laying 14. So for, for those scoring at home, if you play a team that's plus eight and a half and they lose by 19, you lose. That's what Fez says. Last week, this line was Penn State minus 14, and Penn State came up flat week one. App State played sky high, and I think this is an overcorrection to this line because now the line is down to eight and a half. Whenever I see a huge correction on a line based upon one game, I typically question whether that's a valid correction. I think it's an overcorrection. I'll take my chances laying eight and a half instead of laying 14 like I would have had to last week. Now, to me... Fez gets to the paradox here because we only have one game. It's like in the town I grew up, the only place that was open to eat was a Dairy Queen. 4,000 people, no stoplights in Ohio, coal mining town in the 80s. And the Dairy Queen was only open. It wasn't open in the winter. So it closed like in October and reopened again in March. But I tell you this, it was the best place in town. Because it was the only place. We've got one game. I get it's one game. But boy, Penn State has to be downgraded from that game significantly. So I think this whole handicap comes down to one thing. And Brad, you answer it. What did we learn about Penn State? How much were they downgraded from that game? Two and a half, three points. Okay. So the fact that the line moved five... And, and and we're looking. I'm looking at the notes here, Brad. You're saying the game of the year line was 13. You're saying 14. So when did you get your line? Uh, it was kind of a combination of, of a couple of the books that were out there. 13 was the line, right? Like uh, last week, it was 13. And what did you you saw 14, Faz? Or I you saw, just I saw you just fibbing, just fibbing no, to make 14 a point. and a half was the actual opening line at South Point. 14 and a half. Yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying like last week, last week when we had the, all the inf- the most information before these games started, what was the line? 13. Okay. So when you say 14, Fez, you were just what? I t- Purposely? I took, was it a was it an honest mistake or a purposeful I mistake? Took it, it was an honest mistake. I took it off my game of the year lines that were printed like two and a half weeks ago. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. It's true. So <laughs> just doing the math, though, even if we go from 13, it's a four and a half point adjustment in the line through the key number of 10, and 13 is a quasi-key number, right? 
It's right there. It's a lot more key than 11 and 12. Let's agree with that. It strikes me the lines move too much. Yeah, and that, the fact that you brought that up. I think if we're grading, presentation for Ken was better than Fez, but I think Fez brought up the stronger, the strongest point, that there has been a little bit of an overreaction. Are you afraid of Ken? No. There's, <laughs> I, I will say, RJ, that there's, you know, there's four or five well, games you, that I look at. The judge has made a judgment. Why are you? Is, are oh, no, you, no, I'm just saying there's four like or five games. You're on the steps that, of the courtroom making your, your case again? I'm just saying four or, f- four or five games that I looked at last year, Going into this year, as long as injuries didn't play a toll again, take a toll on the team that I liked, this was one of those spots. I watched that Penn State Pittsburgh game, and I go next year at Pitt, Pitt's going to get them because Penn State's going to lose too much, and Pitt's going to keep around enough. But under that theory, you would have you would have loved it at fourteen. I loved it. I did okay, love it. And, okay, fair enough. And you're saying I so, still love it. I think they're going to win the game, RJ. They have a good chance to win this game outright. All right, good stuff. Giddy up. <laughs> Next game, pros versus Joes. Oh, I like this one. Now, what's fun about this one is the people, the pros, in this case, the pregame pros making the picks, they don't get to see what my assessment of the pros. And by the way, Maddie Holt, who's going to be on tomorrow's pod. Remember, Wednesday release college, Thursday NFL release. And this is really cool in the NFL. Steve Fazek, two-time Super Contest champion. R.J. Bell and Maddie Holt are going threesies into both the Super Contest main pool and the gold. Mm. The gold was 5K. And how many, what were we guessing? About 100 people maybe going to participate in that one? It's currently at 103 as of today. So maybe 125? Yeah, so winner takes all on this one apparently. Now, are are they taking their rake out of this one, the gold? I don't they think shouldn't. so. I don't Jeez. think so. No. I do not know. No, I, I thought I heard the commercial. That's 100%. Ooh, that's going to be nice. But here's what's cool, guys. In the NFL pod, we're going to start. Fezzik doesn't even know this yet. We're going to start every show with our best bets, and it's going to be a debate. Wow. Meaning, here's the thing we're all in it together. Fezzik gets to pick first because he's the two time champ, he picks a game. And we, if we agree with it, we're just going to go, yay, Fez, yeah. And we mark it down. That's going to go on both of the Super Contest entries, the gold and the regular. But if we don't like it, oh. we say, what about this? What about that? And then he has a chance to say, you know, I hear you. I'm going to my second pick. And then once we got one locked up with him, we go to Maddie, and he gets it. And then we can either agree with him or not. And then I go last. Now, a lot of people might say, well, I mean, why would you go last? And talking about the great one, R.J. Bell. I mean, that's just my thinking. <laughs> now, I could be wrong. Documented but, 58% last three uh, years. Five, four years. Four. Kevin and Bean, baby. Four I, years, Kevin and Bean. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, I figure I'm going to do about 62 this year. And I, I told Maddie, you two got to hit 72. That's what I'm gunning for. <laughs> I mean, I wonder what, what won the gold last year? You know what the win percentage was? Actually, I think it was in the low low sixties, like sixty-two. Holy cow! It was, low. it was low. I would have scooped that baby up. Well, maybe not. All right, <laughs> but that's going to be fun, I think, because it'd be like how the sausage is made. It's going to be alive. Now, there's five picks. We're only going to pick three 
all together. And then the other two is going to be based on line moves and, and all that stuff. But we're going to have the rock, the solid three, one, one, and one. Comes out on Thursday, RJ? Yes. I don't know if I can wait that long. I just want to be ah. in here for the taping for that. My goodness. <laughs> I'm excited. That's fine. I, I think it's going to be fun. Okay. That long windup leads us to Northwestern, pros versus Joes, favored by three against Duke. Now, let's tell you who the pros are on. The pros are on... Duke. And as we mentioned, Maddie Holt, who has deep knowledge on this stuff, deep, deep, longtime vice president at CG Technology. Now he's in the integrity game and uh, but still connected. No doubt about it. He told us he gave us a handful of sharp plays from his perspective. And one of them was Duke. Now, let's see. We got only one person that likes this game. Ken Thompson, who do you like? The sharp side is Duke. Against Northwestern. I like the dull side with Northwestern. And I love Huey Lewis, too. Make your case, baby. All right, here's my case. My case is TJ Green is going to be a great quarterback. That's Trent Green's son. He got in uh, last week earlier than a lot of people thought because Clayton, uh, Clayton Thorson was good enough to go the whole game there for Northwestern, but he got his feet wet on the road at Purdue. Look, uh, they were able to get three interceptions off Purdue in the first half. They were able to hold on. Purdue actually played him in the second half. In fact, shut him out 10 nothing in the second half. But now you're going back to Evanston. They found a new running back in Jeremy Larkin. They got a pretty good defense led by Patty Fisher, who plays the middle linebacker position the same way his coach, Pat Fitzgerald, did. Duke is a decent team coming in from the ACC. What did they do? They beat up on an Army team that's got a new quarterback, a a bunch of whole new players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm not taking too much away from that victory. I think Duke will keep it close early. I think Northwestern's good enough to beat them straight up by, i say, uh, 7 to 10 points. I like Northwestern in Evanston. Brad? I lean with Duke. And Ken was mentioning that game for Northwestern at Purdue last week. And I think it's a little bit misleading. Northwestern benefited three early turnovers by Purdue's quarterback. After that, I thought Northwestern got outplayed. In fact, they didn't even score a single point in the second half of that game after a 14 nothing start. Purdue was the better of the two teams. And also, last year, Duke 41-17 outgained Northwestern by nearly 400 yards. That's a hell of a lot of ground to make up in one year. Give me the Dukies plus three. Any thoughts, Fess? Yeah, I th- I'm landing on Ken's side. I'm leaning with Northwestern, which is curious because I think Northwestern's overrated because of what Brad said. However, there's two factors that put me on Northwestern. I disagree with Brad in terms of that 17-41 to 41 loss by the Cats. I know they got statistically dominated, but you get blowout revenge like that, you circle the game the very next year. And another hidden factor that I don't think the pros are taking enough consideration into, Northwestern got to play Thursday, so they get nine days to prep instead of seven days, and I don't see an adjustment being made. I think that's a significant advantage for the Cats. Okay, Ken Thompson likes Northwestern, pros, or the Sharps on Duke. And again, that's the beauty of it, right? If the Sharps were always right... We could give, we'd all have to give up. It's, I think sometimes the greatest value is when the sharps move a line and they're wrong because, especially if you can define why they're wrong. I'm always nervous if I'm betting against the sharps if I have no idea why they like a game. But if they're like, oh, we really like this quarterback, and if I don't, now I feel comfortable. I'm getting value and I'm on, on a bet I'm willing to make, not like a mystery bet. All right, this is a rare double like 
And it's rare because it's something that I actually like. And I don't play many college games as an originator. This is one, though, I'll be taking the rubber band off on. Let's start, though. Ken Thompson. Well, no, you know, actually, we got Dave Astler here. This is one of three games from Dave. And this is the game. Yes. This is where he's talking about the weather. So let's get to Dave first, and then we'll get to Ken. So right now, it's Michigan State at Arizona State. Michigan State favored by six. Here is Mr. Dave Essler. This week, we're going to talk again about essential elements or non-obvious factors. Last week, it was Washington. Uh, more specifically, their inexperience at big games. This week, it's fatigue. You know, this time of year, you have a lot of teams playing in the South that aren't necessarily from the South. It's hot. It's humid. It takes a toll. And one game that really sticks out to me here is Michigan State at Arizona. Now, I did check the weather, and Tempe is going to top out at 107 degrees Saturday afternoon. That's that's a bit much to play a football game in. Arizona State comes into this game. They didn't break a sweat beating UTSA. The Spartans broke a lot of sweat struggling against Utah State. The early money's on Michigan State, and a lot of it. I'm not sure I agree. But what I think this fatigue thing does is it sets itself up as a great second half bet on ASU if it's close or they're only behind by a few. I certainly can see Michigan State getting fatigued here. Okay, and to me, I think it's not just the weather. It's extra hot. And you got a Michigan State team that put a lot more energy out last week than you expected. And for me, the last piece, I think this Herm Edwards negativity if somehow there was one coach on the team and that coach had to, you know, chalkboard it up and scheme it up, maybe it's a problem. But I like the CEO coach. I think things are so complex now with social media and this is a big business. The idea that the CEO coach or the coach is going to be the CEO and be like the key scheme guy. Hey, listen, let's give Mike Leach credit at Texas Tech. Amazing results down there consistency too, quarterback after quarterback. I mean, at Washington state, he's been not horrible, but is there, how many guys are, I mean, Ken, let me ask you, how many guys schematically are better than Mike Leach? I mean, are there more than five or six in, in football in college? You know what? Mike Leach does some quirky things. I mean, he does some smart things, but he, he takes too many chances. So, you know, you get either love him or you hate him, but he's a, a coach that, you know, he thinks outside the box, but sometimes it gets him in trouble. Yeah, maybe, but but I guess my point is he hasn't had near the success you would think he would have considering how elite he is as a schematics guy. But he's also not been with elite teams. When you look at a Texas Tech, you look at a Washington State, where's the elite program? But, but is TCU like that much better than Texas Tech? But you've got Patterson in there. You know, beating Wisconsin in Rose Bowls, right? I mean, so I, th- I think if he didn't leave Texas Tech, I think he had a better shot there to get yeah, those Texas like tw- players. He was like Twelve years in, though, how much better were they going to get? Right? Well, you, you know, it's it's tougher to recruit to Lubbock than it is, you know, to you know some of these other places. I'm saying if you put him in a Big Ten, you put him at a Michigan State, or you put him at a Michigan like Harbaugh, I think you know he's got a chance to do pretty well. And and my point being, it's more. I mean, Edwards is not going to be at the chalkboard with Mike Leach, right? Or with Lincoln Riley. But I think that for his job in 2018, which is to be uh, a recruiting magnet. Oh, I saw that guy on TV. I want to play for him. Mm-hmm. And a guy creating a culture of accountability. 
boy, I, you just got to wonder. I don't know how good the coordinators are, but assuming they do their job, I, I'm not sure how he ends up being a net negative as a coach. And I think, Brad, a lot of people, a lot of sharps, and we'll put that in quotes, has thought of Edwards as, a, oh, here's some dinosaur mm-hmm. that's going to yeah. come back. Yeah, if he tried to coach it up a lot, I would agree. But, I it, I mean, you're reading more than I am. W- what's your sense? I mean, have you changed your mind at all about being as pessimistic about Edwards? Yeah, slightly, because I was very pessimistic. I'm still in the pessimistic category because there were still question marks about the coordinators. They lost both coordinators from last year. The expectation was both of those guys to stay. Neither one did. They both left. And, you know, the the hires that Herm Edwards make, San Diego State defensive corner, that didn't move the needle too much for me. So I think the question marks still remain, but I'm definitely, I would, I have a higher opinion on the Herm Edwards uh, hire than what I did when it was originally announced. Okay. All right, Ken. So you actually in this game agree with uh, Esler and me, and this is a double like, because Dave's not officially, I guess he likes it. So it might even be a triple. It's not his best bet though. Um, you also like Arizona State. I do, and because here's the thing. Herman Edwards, when he got there, the cover wasn't bare. You have a good, solid quarterback in Manny Wilkins. You have one of the best receivers in the country in Nikhil Harry. I mean, this guy's a game-breaker. He's one of the best athletes in the country as well. You found a running back in Benjamin uh, you know, to replace a decent running back tandem that they had last year. You had nine sacks to zero. Again, it's UTSA. It's a, it's a team that's got a lot of replacing to do themselves, but it's still a D1 team. They took care of business. They extended the lead. The kickoff's at 7.45 p.m., so it'll be about 98 degrees. won't be 107. That'll be the high for the day, but it'll be about 98 degrees. It's the latest game on the board. And uh, I, I just, you know, Michigan State has not impressed me. I mean, that game, that opener, they're fortunate they won against two. A Mountain West team in Utah State, you can tell me you're not up for the game. I don't give a crap. You're losing this game in, in the end, towards the end of the game, just like Penn State was. You know, these are Big Ten teams at home. They should dominate these small conference teams. They're both very fortunate to win their games, Michigan State and Penn State. I think Michigan State, not only are they in trouble covering the seven, they're losing that game outright. That's Ken Thompson. A lot of people like in here, Arizona State plus six currently. Next, oh, Fez, quickly. I think the most important factor in this game, and Ken touched on it, that 745 Pacific time start time. We talk about, oh, that's a break for Michigan State. It'll only be 98 degrees. Wrong. It is an enormous body clock advantage for Arizona State. This game's going to kick at 1045 Eastern time for Michigan State. Now, is Michigan State Eastern or, or Midwest? Eastern. It is. Eastern. Okay. Yep. And so this game's not going to finish till 230 in the morning Eastern time or past it for Michigan State. So mm. Esler talked about the fatigue. So maybe second half even more because it's both heat fatigue and body clock. Exactly. So an enormous Ooh. advantage for ASU in the second half, who also got to play last week at exactly the same time, one of the last games on the board. Now, I don't bet college football near as much as you guys do. Can you bet second halves readily at the, in 2018? Not half times, but second halves. No, you can bet third and fourth quarters, though. Okay. Well, why? that's weird, isn't it? Why wouldn't they just let you bet second halves? They don't put them up, RJ. But in theory, you could just go half and half, right? Well, you could bet second half. Why can't well, you, you bet, bet second half? at halftime. Right, at halftime. Yeah, but I'm saying... Well, let, oh, you mean prior to the game? Yeah, what I'm saying is there's like 12 minutes or whatever, right, to get that once they get the yeah. odds up. A lot of people aren't living on the screens like you guys are. By the way, guys, I love that late, that body clock comment.
This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Next double like Georgia, South Carolina. Boy, a little action here. Georgia opened nine up to ten and a half. Brad Powers, you are one of the likes. I Yeah, on the other side, I like South Carolina plus the points here. And major factor for me is this is a very inexperienced Georgia team that lost a lot of team leaders from last year's team that, that made the national championship game. South Carolina, no one, you know, maybe nationally doesn't think uh, of their stadium, their home atmosphere as one of the top. But I'm telling you that it's one of the top 10, 12 atmospheres in college football, especially when they're a winning program like they are right now. 51 and 14, their last 65 home games. And I think this is the biggest home game for them in years. Very fired up crowd, probably not getting completely factored in the line. I like South Carolina plus the points. And the second like, that's Brad Powers, Ken Thompson, also South Carolina. Yeah, this is another one of those games last year that I looked at as coming into this year. First off, Georgia coming that close to winning a national title. South Carolina bringing back their best quarterback over the last 15 years and Jake Bentley, 22-29 in the opener. Again, an FCS opponent, so not too much into that. But bringing back Rico Dowdell, who was banged up last year, and also Debo Samuel, who was banged up last year. Two explosive offensive players, Brian Edwards, Shee Smith. They've got players, no doubt about it. And then on Georgia's side of the thing, you know, you got Jake Fromm, who takes him to that national championship game. But now he's looking over his shoulder at Justin Fields, the most sought-after quarterback coming in. So right now, there's a little bit of controversy there. Will he hold his job? What's up? Look, when you lose a Sony Michelle, you lose a Nick Chubb, you're losing backs. And I understand you still have DeAndre Swift and Harry and some of these other guys, but they're not Michelle and Chubb. Going to take a little bit to uh, replace those guys. Receiving core is still good with Hardiman and Riley and, uh, you know, or Ridley, I should say. But uh, I, I think South Carolina, not only do they cover this spread, but they too, if they keep it close in the second half, have a chance to win this game straight up. When Ken takes the points, he's thinking they can just win. Yeah. Actually, that, and that's their when the home field advantage. And Brad and, and Brad talked about it. Columbia, eighty thousand strong. It will be there. It'll be a big time atmosphere. Again, these are teams: Texas A and M, South Carolina. They've got to get out of the gate to where they're within one score by the end of the first quarter. All right, double like double. That's the two college specialists: Brad Powers and Ken, South Carolina. Smart money game next. Mississippi State, Kansas State. Boy, Brad, this uh, line move looked like it opened three and a half up to nine and a half. Now, was that one of those bet online babies? Yeah, it had to be a bet online. Oh, so you you didn't check. I'll look at it as we're chatting here. Um, okay, but you actually, the smart money on this one, on Kansas State. Kansas State. So, Brad Powers, you like this game. You, I mean, uh, who do you like? I like Kansas State. Oh, okay. Yeah. And let's talk, you talked about three and a half. Well, the game of the year line sat at a couple places with Mississippi State all summer long at two and a half. And you're meaning to tell me after one week of football action, we've seen a seven point line move. I get it. Kansas State looked like crap last week against South Dakota and should have probably even lost the game outright. But what I like doing a lot of times is that routinely when teams struggle with FCS teams or they lose the games outright, market really throws these teams in the trash. So I'm going to take that value and play on Bill Snyder in his preferred underdog role. If you blindly bet on Bill Snyder as an underdog in the regular season the last seven years, you're 27-9 and nine against the spread 75%. Give me the home dog, disrespected, Kansas State plus 9.5. 
Yeah, and, and, and I mean, if there's any, and obviously Snyder's uh, getting up. I mean, he's moving towards 80, right? But the fact of the matter is his intensity off a loss is going to be right up there. And oftentimes that loss, unless it really exposed something we didn't know about, can end up being a net positive, because, or in this case, not the loss, but the close game, yeah. because it, it focuses the mind so much for the next week. Now, as an underdog, you think it would have been anyway, but I think even more of a fever pitch. Ken, you like it too. Yeah, I do. And, you know, because it's in the little, little apple in Manhattan. And so Snyder's track record there is pretty solid. Uh, Alex Barnes, their fine running back, had over 100 yards, but he fumbled twice. In fact, he fumbled three times. Two of them they lost. That was key in keeping that game close. In fact, they needed to outscore South Dakota, FCS South Dakota, 15 nothing in the fourth quarter to get that victory. But you have two quarterbacks. Both can pick him up, put him down as far as running the ball in Delton and Thompson. And uh, Thompson probably a little bit better of a passer. But Mississippi State, they get Fitzgerald back. And as good as he was last year, he got banged up. So it's his first game back because he was suspended for the opener. So we'll see. Again, their guy, Keaton Thompson, uh, played a real nice game against Stephen F. Austin. Again, not much competition there. I think Mississippi State probably wins the game, but I think it's a close game. I think it's a one-score game. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Fitzgerald. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald, the quarterback for Mississippi State, hasn't had game action since the Egg Bowl played on Thanksgiving last year. I I get it. He's back, and there's a lot of excitement, but I could very well see him being rusty here. Okay, so I checked the lines. By the way, you can go to pregame.com, go to the Game Center, only place on the Internet with free cash splits. We have the tickets and the cash 100% 100% free and line archives uh, at bookmaker. This game opened seven at pinnacle seven and a half. So it was bet online got bet up like in 11 minutes up to seven. And then, and they take nickels and then uh, bookmaker who takes big bites open to seven Fez closing thoughts. Yeah. I leaned to K state. Interesting. I read the, the summary of the game and it said, Oh, Kansas state horrible effort. They should have lost to South Dakota state. They're down 24, 12. They got a punt return to get back in the game for a touchdown. I'm like, Oh, they were lucky. But then when I went into the actual box score, like Ken mentioned, they fumbled twice. They were minus four in turnover. So two things happened from that. They were very unlucky. They won the stats, but they lost the turnovers four Oh. And I also think they lost the crowd in Manhattan where, where they were playing uh, terribly on the scoreboard. The crowd was actually leaving in the fourth quarter, and so that negated their home field advantage, which should come roaring back because they found a way to win lean Kansas State. The less fast talks, the smarter he seems. Yeah, he's he's having a pretty good podcast. He's just coming in strong. Yeah. Take note, Fez. I'm already a multi-millionaire. (laughs) Note to self. All right. Kenny's got a hard out here. And uh, because he has his big time radio show on KDON, 50,000 watts, grandfathered in at night. And FM now, too, 101.5 FM as well. Damn, let's have voice to uh, FM also, everybody. Okay. I'm just jealous, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> I, at least my voice is, is recognizable. Might not be a good thing, but it, <laughs> it is. I This is funny, but when I'm in town, I. Most certainly of the times I'm like, oh, you are Jay. 60% it's, they just hear me talking and 40, they see me and they, they, you know, they're either looking at me or listening and about half, more than half, it's the, the, the voice. I guess that's all right. I just kind of wish it was a little bit more like, you know, that classic radio UCLA. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one more smart money game 
And I'll, then, t- I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you to five thirty. Ooh, dog. Let's just so keep it rolling. These up. Smart money, UCLA, Oklahoma. All right. So the smart money is on UCLA, and again, it's that classic. Boy, they look horrible. Everyone overreacts. Now, is anyone going to be on Oklahoma? I'm going to like. Uh, I'm going to let Brad start this, and here's why. Brad, your best bet last week was Northern Illinois. Oh, on here? Yeah, on here. That lost? Yeah. And then your best bet on straight out of Vegas? Coastal Carolina. Uh, that lost. That was like... I, I think you're thinking of Fez. Oh, Fe- I thought... Who did Oklahoma play? Oh, you Florida had this? Atlantic, yeah. All right, then I think that, that. I think this is where we start. <laughs> Fez, it's time to discuss your thoughts on Oklahoma. Yeah, and maybe I'll turn one loss into two. <laughs> I faded Oklahoma. I had Florida Atlantic plus 21. This is very rare, RJ. Six minutes into the game, I ripped up my ticket. I said, it's done. It was men against boys. I've never seen such speed and power from a team Oklahoma against Florida Atlantic. And I So this was more Oklahoma is better than you thought, not Florida Atlantic was disappointing. Well, Florida Atlantic disappointed, but the athletes on Oklahoma were just incredible. And it wasn't schematics. It wasn't like they surprised Florida Atlantic. Literally, guys from Oklahoma were catching passes, shaking off the defenders like ragdolls. And there was 10 returning starters for Florida Atlantic. I hugely upgraded Oklahoma, and that's why I lean with them here. You know, there's a line in the wire and, and obviously there's a lot of wire fans out there and, and, you know, I think some people overdo it. Uh, and, and again, I love that they love it so much. I mean, Jason Whitlock, like every third comments about the wire, but I really like that. He likes it that much. Yeah. I ain't no suit wearing businessman like you, you know, I'm just a gangster, I suppose. And I want my corners. And there's a scene where Stringer Bell is talking to the state rep and the state rep, I'm having a mental block. He's the one who always goes, she, Clay Davis, that's it. And he says, look at me. He goes, look at me. He goes, do you know what I've gone through to get from where I started to here? And it's like, yeah, think about it. You know, how many, as Nicholson would say in The Departed, a lot of people had to die to be me. Think about how many people wanted that Oklahoma job. I mean, Mike Stoops, who brother, great defensive coordinator by all accounts, Went to Arizona, made a lot of money, got one contract extension, if I'm remembering right, finally got run out. He would have crawled over cut glass. Bob Stoops, most powerful guy in Oklahoma. You don't think his brother wanted it? Or you don't think he wanted his brother to get it? And this uh, Lincoln Riley got this job when he was how old? 31, 32. I know a lot of these guys. I know Bob a little bit. I know Mike a little better. Um, Just uh, through a real good buddy of mine, my best buddy. And... I know Leach a little bit. These people are brilliant people. And the only one I've ever heard, I never heard anyone saying, oh, Bob's so smart. I mean, Bob's like really smart, but they're all pretty smart. Like with Lincoln, it's like this guy. Wow. And it's like, it's like, like hanging out with Bob Dylan and playing music and them going, God, that guy's, you know, Dylan, God, I can't believe how good he is. I think in 10 years we're going to, I mean, it's going to be Lincoln Riley's going to be, and the top two or three, and it's not even going to be a conversation. Like he'll be looked at like an Urban Meyer, I think, uh, at least quality wise. So to me, I like Fez. I, I gave you some NFL games today. I was thinking of playing or giving Adam Carolla, and 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 one of them was Houston. And I do lean Houston, and I just know you just won't bet against Belichick. I think we're going to get to the point where you just don't bet against Lincoln. Right now, again, the game might change. There might be a whole other iteration. 
and young guys show up that Lincoln's not getting exactly what they're doing. But till that happens, I tell you, it's not just being, I mean, Lincoln would have been excited to be the OC. You would have to think, right? The fact they gave him that head job, that is bold. Yep. And that meant that he not only was great on the chalkboard, it meant that he was great or at least perceived to be very capable as an executive. So, you know, to me, that's a, di- I mean, I'm not saying Leach isn't a decent executive. He just doesn't strike. It's not what he loves. Right. And, and I think Lincoln's one of those guys that could have been a CEO of like a, uh, a venture or I'm sorry, a Silicon Valley company. So I'm, I'm not saying you can never bet against Oklahoma. I just think they're going to probably be a little underrated for a while, even though they're very highly rated. It's just, I think he's better. I mean, Brad, if I would have asked you before, my little rant right there. Where's Lincoln Riley? One to 135 or whatever. Uh, one year 18. In. Yeah, I was going to say 15. Yeah. I think he might be six or seven. You know, Ken, what's your thoughts? It's still uh, too soon to tell. Yeah, it is. I mean, you really have to. I mean, he's got talent there. You go from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray. You're not dropping off too much. And it was evident last week. But speaking of talent, he I mean, we're talking he's an upgrade over Bob Soups in the recruiting department already. And we're talking over a Hall of Fame coach. Oklahoma's recruiting the last couple of years has been far superior than what it was the last five, six years under Bob Stoops. So forget the recruiting. And that's important. But if today it was announced Bob Stoops is, for whatever reason, coming out of retirement and taking the head job. Do you upgrade Oklahoma? No. And where was Bob Stoops on your list when he retired? Yeah, top. Big game, Bob? Yeah, 10 to 15. Really? Yeah. Maybe top 10. I mean, last year. Who was the coach at Oklahoma before Bob Stoops? Oh, wow. Was that Blake someone I'm remembering? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. How good Jeff were Jeff Blake? How no, good I'm were they? I think they were terrible. And how good, how so good many. were they under Schallenberger? They were terrible. Gibbs, terrible. Yeah, it seems like yeah. maybe he's better than. I mean, this 15 doesn't seem right for Bob Stoops. Yeah, he was in the top 10. <laughs> he was getting a little long in the tooth, though. <laughs> like at 56. Yeah. Well, I, I will <laughs> tell you this is the first couple years there, there was, they were working till eight or nine, and then it was like. Bob's decided that family time is more important than they were cutting out at 530. Now, listen, hey, we can all decide on it. Kids are the future. But if I'm betting my money, I want the guy who's there till 930. And his yeah. kid's like, where's daddy? Like, you'll see him in January. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Brad, leader like on this UCLA, Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm going to lean with the UCLA plus the, th- what, 30 now? Uh, keep in mind. I'm seeing 29 and a half. 29 and a half. Last week. Fez, I'll ask you, the Florida Atlantic game, wasn't that close, like 18 and a half? Yes. And you're going to tell me UCLA, who's got better players, better coaches, getting 10-plus points more here? I know you can upgrade Oklahoma four or five points. I don't get to this big number here. Uh, I'm going to lean with UCLA plus the, the 29 and a half. Okay, so uh, lean Oklahoma, Fez, lean UCLA, Brad, Ken Thompson. Yeah, still a lot of points uh, for Oklahoma to lay against a team that does have good athletes. Casimir Allen may be the fastest guy on the field for UCLA. Had a touchdown in their win, in their loss, I should say, against Cincinnati. Uh, Thompson Robinson probably ends up getting the start because I don't think Spade's going to be able to go, but we'll wait and see. But the youngster out of Bishop Gorman got to see him play his high school ball here. He was a deer in the headlights for a little bit of that game against Cincinnati. In fact, took a bad safety, and they end up. Uh, that was really the difference of the game when the game was tied at 17. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Kyler Murray. 
I knew the guy was going to be good, not just a baseball player. This guy really is the real deal, and he's faster than Baker Mayfield. Uh, doesn't throw the balls accurately, but he's still pretty darn good. Threw for over 200 yards, a couple touchdowns in just limited action. So Rodney Anderson, you got Brooks, you got Sermon. I mean, a plethora of running backs, Marquise Brown, C.D. Lamb. I mean, just a lot of good, solid players on that team. I think Oklahoma wins this game probably around 17 points. Okay, let's do this, Ken, because I've got uh, we're going to do your best bet now. Then I've got the one and only commercial break, and then we've got some best bets, and we got Ashler stuff. So I'm gonna let's do your best bet, and we'll let you run. So you're you not- don't want to get my opinion on USC. I was there at the game last year, last week. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get we'll get. How's that sound? We'll start there. Let's get. We won't tell anyone. That's one of the games with the best bet. We won't tell anyone about the best bets. Let's get your opinion on USC Stanford, and you're USC a true expert. Right now, Stanford favored by four and a half. Yeah, and see, I think this game could go either way. Just because I was not impressed with Stanford. Bryce Love, I know, 18 carries, 29 yards. Probably not going to be those type stats against USC. USC's running uh, defense, they struggled. Lexington Thomas ran all over them for a good portion of that game. Very impressed with UNLV. UNLV's defense also was in the face of JT Daniels. Again, that was his first true start. But he was able to hook up with St. Brown. As Brad knows, his brother played for Notre Dame. But this may be the best of the three brothers. And they're both freshmen coming out of modern day. So uh, USC's got weapons. They've got a good running game. They're strong now on the defensive side of the ball with Porter Gustin back, Cam Smith. Stanford, again, there's uh, question marks there. But Arcega Whiteside had six receptions, 226 yards, and three touchdowns against San Diego State. So, again, this is a, a toss-up game for me. Cardinal are at home. USC, first tough road game for JT Daniels. Only Matt Barkley as a true freshman could go into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. RJ, you remember that game, don't you? And I don't think... That's what he stayed for. I don't think JT Daniels is going to duplicate that feat. I, w- I would lean towards Stanford in this game. Listen, when you rarely lose, you do remember the losses. That's, that's the catch-22. Right. You, you know what's funny, though? He's like, hey, hold on. You don't want to hear my USC opinion? It's like, well, yeah, you're an expert. Yeah. Well, I think it's a toss-up. <laughs> he stayed for that one thing on the, the podcast. Yeah. All right. It's time for a little early best bet. You make me rich, make me rich. Rabbit, you can drop that Best bet, Ken Toms. All right. I'm going to go UNLV, and they're minus 24, 24 and a half out there. Look. If they don't win this game by 30-plus, I'll be shocked. And not just because I was there to watch them play USC tooth and nail on the line of scrimmage. The defense is what shocked me about UNLV. Their defense has been putrid over the years. Even when they went into the horseshoe or went to Michigan and hung in and covered these big spreads, it's because the other team called the dogs off. In this game... Tooth and nail. They were throwing toe-to-toe with USC. Now you're taking on a UTEP team that is ranked, and I don't do the power rankings, but these guys do. UTEP is dead last, 130th out of 130 teams. Plus, they're missing two of their starters on the offensive line. Had to go with two freshmen. They lose to an FCS Northern Arizona team. Not a bad FC, FCS uh, team, the Lumberjacks, but still. They went to El Paso, beat UTEP by 20, 30-10. UNLV should win this game and I predicted the score 49 to 10. And if they give up 10, I'll be surprised there too. But if they play with any type of intensity and knowing that they lost to Howard last year at home, they were going to be focused. And I told Tony Sanchez after the SC game, if you play with the same intensity that you played against USC the first three quarters of that game, you can beat every single team that includes Arkansas State, Fresno State, San Diego State, everybody on your schedule. I think UNLV blows them out by 30 plus. Ken Thompson, best bet. On the local UNLV team. Now, as a media member, you were at the game. You said, 
Did they give you bologna sandwiches? Were there any bologna sandwiches? I didn't even go into the media box. I have third row seats for USC games every year from my good buddy that graduated SC Law School. So I did get the parking pass, which worked out great. So I got to park right there by the Coliseum. Saved me about 50, 60 bucks for that area. It cost about 60 bucks to park. So uh, well worth it. But no bologna sandwiches? No, not even. All right, Ken Thompson, back next week. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. All right, guys. One quick commercial break. My old friend True Car. These days, news travels lightning fast, which is great if you're a sports fan. Between status updates, breaking news notifications, and Twitter feeds, you can always be up to the minute on every team and every game. Well, this is great for sports. It's the opposite when it comes to buying a car. Go online and you're bombarded with numbers. Invoice, list price, dealer price. It's hard to know how to recognize a good price. Not anymore. Introducing True Price from True Car. That's True Price from True Car. It's the only price you need to know because it's exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories. How do you know if a True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car you want. So you know how to recognize a good price. And your certified dealers know this so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business so when you're ready to buy a new or used car visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience some features not available in all states and like i say if it isn't yours take advantage number two of two want to get an edge over vegas in the books betql is available for download and it's the only mobile app that's all the important research you need to make smart bets in just one place with betql You can easily access line movement to see how the lines have moved. This app gives you access to public betting trends in real time so you can see which side the public favors. BetQL's powerful algorithm gives users value bets of the day based off of a detailed and recent historical trends. You can also calculate your return on your picks and track them throughout the day. The best part of all, you can download BetQL for free from your Apple or Android device. Head to BetQL.com. Dot co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. That's betql.co. BetQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 hmm, DFS players. You can download RotoQL for free, both Apple and Android. Best bets down the home stretch. And this, we got a double best bet, including Esler. We have a bonus like from Esler because, hey, we figure since Esler's best bet is part of the double, we'll get a bonus from him. And Fez, who is the MVP. Brad is the guy with the college knowledge, but Fez, Fez is a surgeon, surgeon today. He's already a multimillionaire, as some people as Rick Flair used to say. So why don't we start with, uh, let's start with Fez's best bet. And you know what that means. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. So Brad, let me ask you a quick question. Have you noticed that when I come up with sound or a song or something, and oftentimes your instinct is, I don't know if I like that. And then as time passes, what percentage of the time is it like, man, 
I like that. Oh, well, more than half. <laughs> well, I, more than I half. Say, yeah. I, I thought it was going to be well more than 90%. Oh, yeah. Because I think the, the blo- Blossom song definitely fits the bill for that. <laughs> At first, I was like, I don't know, RJ. You're like, because you were trying to be my child. Yeah. Right? Just embrace everyone is everyone here's got some macho and 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 uh let's just say we're not we're not in any cage fights like <laughs> like in the bad part of town on friday nights no, no. <laughs> or drag races no no best bet fast. best bet rotation 353 colorado plus five against nebraska there's three scheduling reasons why i like this game rj the first one is colorado got to play friday one more extra day can't hurt the second reason, more significant, Nebraska. We talk about this a lot. They got rained out. So it's their first game of the year, Colorado's second game. Big advantage for Colorado with a game under their belt. The third advantage, and this one's subtle. Let me go through this now. Strength of schedule. Colorado pounded Colorado. Go as slowly as you want, Fez. Colorado pounded Colorado State, and the marketplace collectively sighed and said, so what? Colorado State is garbage. They lost to Hawaii, and Hawaii is a bad team. But then late Saturday night after the East Coast had gone to sleep, Hawaii amazingly pounded a pretty decent Navy team. Conclusion, Hawaii isn't that bad. Another conclusion, Colorado State's probably not nearly as bad as we thought, making it even more impressive that Colorado could flatten Colorado State 45-13, to making Colorado undervalued and a really good scheduling spot like the dog. I tell you, that was pretty good. Yeah, it was. And I think Fez makes a good point, which is early in the year, we got the one game, the two games. It's not just how your team that you're considering has done. It's how their opponents have done because you reevaluate them so much more early than you do late. Late in the year, uh, you know, you might be adjusting teams a half point or a point. Now, Brad, you're adjusting teams three. Yep. Well, that could be upwards of three. That could be the team you're looking at or the team they played. And you mentioned it, Fez, and I tweeted this out at RJ in Vegas. And and by the way, guys, as we got a uh, big announcement coming next week on the media side. And a lot of that is going to be integrated with uh, more social stuff, especially on Twitter. So if you're not following, I think there's a lot of good stuff coming at RJ in Vegas is if you had bet Hawaii to win the first game, started with a hunter, took the winnings and let it ride, just the two games, about 30 to one, a hundred would have been wow. 3000. So very unlikely, but boy, you got to reevaluate Hawaii after that second game and thus extrapolate out who Hawaii played the first game. I know some wise guys that bet Hawaii at halftime after their first game, to go over four wins, RJ, some sports books forgot to take it off the board. Oh, the, when he says some, it's like when the guy calls up and goes, uh, is, there any, uh, is there any place to get tested for VD? I'm asking for a friend. Is, is this like that? I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Brad, what is your thought on this Colorado-Nebraska? Yeah, on top of what uh, Fez presented there, I like Colorado plus the points, but we look at the opposite side. Nebraska, new head coach Scott Frost, one of these high-profile hires. <laughs> Not a good look for a lot of these guys in week one. Chip Kelly lost outright as a 14-point favorite. Willie Taggart, a dumpster fire on Labor Day night, 7-point favorite, dominated home to Virginia Tech. Kevin Sumlin lost outright, double-digit favorite. Jeremy Pruitt killed uh, against West Virginia. These high-profile first-year coaches 
a lot of times they get talked up in the marketplace, like RJ was explaining earlier in the podcast. Everyone's excited to get rid of the old guy. A lot of, you know, youth. And, and, and as far as, you know, just obviously excitement in the new program because it's all new. I see that more than any other program this year, this offseason with Nebraska and Scott Frost. That makes them a little overrated. I like Colorado. And I'm optimistic three years, five years, very optimistic. But I hear you. And it's back to this idea of new coaches and the trend lines with them. Okay, we got a double best bet coming up. It's rare. And a bonus like on the Maryland game. But first, I'm going to give you guys, we kind of went extemporaneously and last week and put together Brad and Fez in a package. And I would say, and I don't have the exact numbers. I have some broad numbers. Probably the fastest selling package we've ever had. And it makes sense because Brad obviously expert in college football. Fez, obviously expert in the NFL. Hmm. What would be a dream team for the dream preview? Maybe Brad's college and Fez's NFL in one package. Yes, that's available right now. And I'm going to give you a coupon. Last chance, 25, all one word, all caps, last chance, the two and the five, last chance, 25, 25% off anything. And if you want that dream team type college and pro combo package, well, obviously now is the time because you're getting all the college starting with week one of the NFL. I mean, how do you do better? And as I said, super popular for a reason and the coupon it's going to be hard to do. You're going to save hundreds of dollars. I think it's what in the nine hundred eight eight ninety five range. I think so. With the for this combo with the coupon, you're saving hundreds of dollars. Last chance twenty five. All you do is put that package or any package or any packages, and if all you want just is a daily, well, hey, why not save twenty five bucks? Put it in the shopping cart. In the shopping cart, very clearly, coupon. Put in last chance twenty five. Save twenty five percent. Hundreds of bucks in this case, but this is it. This dream package is coming down after this week. Why miss any games? Why miss that unique offer? Okay, Brad. It's a hell of a, there's some people out there thinking, you know, RJ's right. These are the dream guys. But if you screw this up right now, I know. All right. Best bet time. Yep. Best bet. We're going to go to that USC Stanford game and I'm going to take Stanford minus the four and a half. Let's just start where this line was when an open up game in the year line, Stanford was only minus two, but got bad up very quickly and pretty much sat around five or six all summer long. And after week one, the line comes down. Are you kidding me? This seems like a mistake. USC against UNLV struggled. That is a 1914 game in the fourth quarter. Misleading final for USC last week, winning that game by 22. On the flip side, you look at Stanford. They impressed me. When you look at the, they had six players suspended last week. Bryce Level only had 29 rushing yards, and they still got a win and cover over a solid San Diego State team. I upgraded Stanford, downgraded USC, and the big one for me, where this game is played, it's at Stanford. First road start for a true freshman quarterback, for JT Daniels and USC and Clay Helton as a head coach. Great at home. Perfect. 17 and 0 on the road. Not so much. Average 10 and 10 straight up. Well below average against the spread. Six and 14 against the number. Give me the Cardinal minus the four and a half. 
Oh, he came through Red Light Performer, Brad Powers. What do you think, Faz? Yeah, I like Stanford amazingly. I'm glad I sent my notes to you, RJ, because Brad just gave six reasons to bet Stanford, and I think three and a half of them are in my notes, and two and a half additional ones he added. All right. Now, we got Dave Esler with his one and only best bet. Last week's free pick was Wake Under, an easy winner. This week, we're going Stanford over Southern Cal. Southern Cal beat them twice last season. Obviously, Southern Cal had Sam Darnold. They beat him by three in the Pac-12 championship game. They beat him in L.A. Now they come to Stanford with a freshman quarterback, obviously making his first road start. What really struck me here is even with Darnold last year, USC played two ranked teams on the road, lost to them both. Let me look a little further. Okay, 2016. USC, two ranked teams on the road, lost to them both. Stanford, Utah, 2015, two ranked teams on the road, lost to them both. Stanford brings back everybody. Stanford's got the whole payback thing going on. USC only brings back about half their offensive production. They don't have Ronald Jones. USC let the Rebels run for 300 yards. The line's basically saying these teams are evenly matched on a neutral field. They're not. Stanford over SoCal. Okay, anything, any thought to his that you want to augment? Yeah, and I'm glad he brought up the revenge factor, something I didn't even bring up in my presentation. Not one, but two games last year that Stanford lost to USC, double revenge, payback. Now we got a bonus now, bonus Maryland pick from Dave, Dave Esler on Twitter, at Dave underscore Esler, E-S-S-L-E-R. Now, he's a big forum post. If you haven't been in the pregame.com forums, I think they're the friendliest. If you combine how friendly they are with the sharpness, I think they're right, or quite frankly, I mean, I'm a little biased. I think they're the best because there's some sharp forms, but man, it's, it's like, nah, talk about unruly and, or there's just a lot of like, uh, fake tough guys. Oh, oh you play big money lines. You're an idiot. We don't allow that. We, it's a place to have fun, but learn. Pregame.com, just click forms. Brad Powers, by the way, on Twitter at Brad Power7. Fezzik on Twitter at Fezzik Sports, F E Z Z I K. All right, let's take a look at this Maryland. Uh, it's not a free pick, but rather it's a like, and it's also a big, big factor in this Maryland game. Well, this week, once again, we're going to talk about betting what you saw last. Last week, I discounted Miami, who promptly lost to LSU. My only shortcoming there was I didn't bet it big enough myself. This week, I'm going to discount Maryland. I know, nice story. They beat Texas, but technically Texas beat Texas with three turnovers. Statistically, that game, you could could have laid each other's stats on top of each other. So Maryland comes off of that. Huge emotional game. Classic letdown spot. Now they go on the road. On the road to Bowling Green, who played at Oregon. Oregon, obviously, a much tougher opponent. They actually picked Tavare off twice, sacked him, and had three tackles for losses. So not bad by Bowling Green. Bowling Green brings back 74% of their offense. The Terps bring back basically none of their offense. That was all emotion last week. The Terps quarterback, Kasim Hill, three career passes on the road. People were too quick to fade Maryland. Now I think they may be too quick to bet on Maryland. And I love the recency concept, recency bias, and to fade that. But I also think there's going to be a big emotional, like, Lead up, lead up, lead up. Are we going to show this, all this uh, controversy, all this tumult isn't going to be bigger than us? And then you win that game. 
I mean, man, it, and now you're uh, a favorite in the game. It, it feels like not only an overreaction, but a real letdown also, Brett. Yeah, and we can't know for sure where this line's going to exactly go, but I got to think if you want to bet Bowling Green, I think later in the week's going to be your best option. Everyone's going to want to play on a Maryland team off that big upset win over Texas because, hey, Maryland, you know, they're much better than what you expect. And Bowling Green's been a dumpster fire the last two plus seasons. So I think the line will go up. But with that being said, I'm a Bowling Green alum. I, I can't bet Bowling Green under Mike Jinks as a head coach. I just can't do it. His name's Jinx. Mike Jinx. Covered seven games in two plus years. He's terrible. <laughs> he's dumpster a, fire coach. He's a. Jinx. <laughs> I think Esler's presentation was fantastic. The fact that they lined up with 10 men, you know, to honor the, their, their fallen player. And Brad mentioned they brought, they threw the kitchen sink at Texas in the first quarter with all these trick plays. It's a really bad spot for Maryland. I think BG is the winner. Well, guys, this was a tight show. The boys delivered. I told you tomorrow. It's going to be, I, I don't think it's ever happened. Guys of Fezzik's quality, Maddie's quality, and me too, showing you how the sausage is made in the Super Contest, the $5,000 one too, and we're going to lead the show with it, baby. Tomorrow, that, that's out on Thursday, and uh, Wednesday release, obviously, for this college. And by the way, just subscribe. Go to your favorite pod player, or if you have multiple ones on different devices, or whatever, just subscribe to, just search RJ Bell, Dream Preview, and then immediately when the podcast comes out, you get it. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.